And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. You will rest in peace. Basketballs don't hold grudges. He got a bicycle. Hello, and welcome to the WrestleCube. Now, normally, as you, you might realise, this would be the period where Daniel would turn around and say cube in a hilarious way. I feel like I've done this before. You've heard me say this before. Uh, uh, my name's Tom Mimner, and welcome to the WrestleCube. Uh, it's a mini-episode uh, just to really just give you a bit of an update on what's going on with us and have a little chat about some of the big stories in wrestling in the last week or two. And yeah, I guess uh, just a little primer before uh, we dive back into the King of Cube tournament. Uh, you'll have to excuse me, I have got a bit of a cold. Uh, been cooped up inside for too long. Uh, somehow, got a cold. It's not COVID, don't worry. Um, but yeah, so uh, basically uh, we recorded at the end of uh, November. At the end of November, and at the end of November we then uh, took a bit of a break because... Uh, without getting too, too much personal detail, uh, I am a father of two. Uh, uh, Daniel uh, has a child as well, uh, and uh, basically, uh, Christmas is quite a busy time. Uh, and uh, now we're in the new year, and we're both going to have a bit more time to devote to doing this properly. So, uh, as you know, it's a very relaxed podcast. We don't get too involved with uh, you know scheduling and such matters. So um, yeah, we'll be back. Uh, and better than ever, hopefully, uh, in the next few weeks with a pretty pretty strong uh, tie-up between uh, Bret Hart, Bret the Hitman Hart, a uh, personal favourite of mine, and another personal favourite of mine, Diamond Dallas Page. Uh, so we're going to be looking at, I think, five matches in total, uh, one featuring the two of them taking each other on in 1998 in WCW, and then two matches from uh, Bret Hart's back catalogue and two matches from Diamond Dallas Page's back catalogue, uh, and going through their strengths and weaknesses and deciding on our own set of criteria as per the same uh, criteria that we had for The Rock versus Chris Jericho and Kazuchika Okada versus Eddie Guerrero, who goes through to the next round. So, yeah, it's going to be really exciting and I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I'm sure myself and Daniel will both have some pretty extensive thoughts about both men and uh, what they'll kind of do with their... Yeah, well, what they what they'll kind of do, what they've done with their careers, uh, and uh, yeah, like it, it should be really really interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so yeah, so hopefully that will be with you in the near future. We're recording. I mean, it's currently Friday afternoon when I'm recording this, and myself and Daniel are hoping to record next week or the week after. Uh, so hopefully not too long after this. Uh, before we dive into other things that uh, I wanted to have a, a quick chat about. Um, I should say uh, thank you to our sponsor, Time Fixers, uh, for all your horological needs. Watches, basically. Uh, uh, yeah, check them out uh, if you need a watch fixing uh, or you want to find out about watches. Uh, there is some really cool, interesting stuff happening. And yeah, yeah, definitely uh, Time Fixers. Uh, yeah, so... We are at the beginning of 2021. Uh, 2020 has been, as far as wrestling goes, a year of ups and downs, but mostly downs. 
And unfortunately, just at the end of 2020, we had one of the worst pieces of news from the year. Uh, <laughs> just another kick in the teeth from uh, 2020 there. Uh, with uh, Luke Harper, a.k.a. Brody Lee, a.k.a. John Huber, passing away uh, from a uh, non-COVID-related lung condition. Obviously, details are pretty scant about that. And to be perfectly honest, it's nobody's business, but the Huber family and what details they decide to release about what happened... Uh, to uh, John Huber, uh, he was forty-one and with a leaves behind a wife and kids, and it's horrendous. It's a really, really sad thing. Um, so, yeah, I wanted to just give you some thoughts on that because, you know, we are a wrestling podcast, and it feels like a one of the bigger stories in wrestling that you know, forty-two-year-old, a forty-one-year-old man passed away uh, very suddenly, uh, especially considering he'd been pretty active within uh, AEW. Uh, towards the back end of the year, was a TNT champion for a while. There had a phenomenal uh, dog collar match with uh, with Cody Rhodes, and yeah, it, it's it's just it, it took everybody by shock a little bit. I think uh, as far as my my own kind of history with with Luke Harper, uh, Brody Lee, I've referred to him in different things because he had different names during different parts of his career. Uh, my personal experience is the first time I saw him wrestle was on a Shakara DVD. Uh, many many years ago I think it's just I, I saw it later but it was just before he went to WWE uh, and he was they were kind of doing the whole he had a title shot in his last match against Eddie Kingston would he uh, would he win the title and take it to WWE etc etc uh, but he was working on a big rig uh, uh, Brady Lee and as part of the Roughnecks tag team at the time this all these yeah uh but he was you could see straight away he was this big athletic guy uh with a really unique look uh who could really move uh and you know you you knew he was destined for pretty big things so that was very cool uh, and then later i tracked down a bit more of his work and i saw a phenomenal cage match i forget which promotion it was for with himself and claudio castanoli who of course went on to be cesaro uh, and yeah, I mean, the, the two of them just tore it up a storm. Um, and then, of course, he turned up in WWE, uh, primarily on the NXT brand, was the first place I saw him. And obviously, this is pre-network, so uh, we were just getting random episodes of NXT on Sky Sports at that point. Um, it wasn't really this big deal, like this super indie at the time. It was very much just their development territory. They had a TV show. Sky had the episodes of it. Um, I'd catch it when I could. Um, and it was a great one-hour TV show. But uh, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan were this kind of... Yeah, they were the, they were the Wyatt family. And it was this incredible uh, unit straight away. They had such a striking look about them. And, you know... Obviously, they would go up to the main roster in 2013, uh, you know, having been fairly dominant in, uh, I think it was 2013? I want to say it was 2013. Yeah, I think it was 2013. Um, and then, obviously, yeah, they would uh, they would go on to, I mean, he would be working with uh, Eric Rowan, now Eric Redbeard, uh, on the main roster uh, in various roles, you know. Uh, I, I was lucky enough to actually see uh, again it's kind of post Wyatt family or post the first incarnation of the Wyatt family uh, lucky enough to see uh, Luke Harper wrestle uh, as part of the Wrestlemania uh, 31 opener uh, in a crazy crazy ladder match uh, for the Intercontinental Championship uh, which was very cool uh, and it's something in hindsight that I'm very very pleased I got to do 
Uh, I also remember seeing him, uh, we went to a Raw taping at the O2 in 2014. Uh, and uh, it was around the time they were doing that whole uh, everybody singing He's Got the Whole World in His Hands for Bray Wyatt. Kind of probably the height of the Wyatt family uh, in, in WWE. And yeah, it was, you know, uh, Harper was a huge part of that. And I think, I hope history records that. Um, I would urge also, if you haven't done recently, uh, having done this in the last week or so, uh, please do go back and watch the Wyatt Family versus The Shield from uh, Elimination Chamber 2014. It is still one of the best matches I've seen uh, probably ever. Uh, and that's not an exaggeration. There's so much energy, so many big spots, such a great story told between these two ostensibly heel groups at the time. Uh, you know, it really is worth your time. Uh, it's, a, it's a really solid half hour. Um, now, of course, you know, we all know Luke Harper had his issues in WWE with injuries, with poor booking. Uh, you know, he was sort of thrown together at various points. Uh, and, you know, he probably deserved a bit more than he got from the company. They obviously didn't see it uh, in a way that perhaps other people did. You know, he had that, he was brilliant in that run uh, alongside uh, Randy Orton and, and uh, Bray Wyatt as part of that whole storyline. Uh, you know, the Bludgeon Brothers, you know, for, for, for as silly as the whole thing was, him and Eric Rowan made it work. And, you know, they actually, you know, they, you know they, they were actually a pretty good, pretty dominant tag team. And unfortunately, again, it got cut short due to injuries and, and whatnot. He came back and had a, you know, at least a, a cup of coffee there with, uh, uh, in the feud with Daniel Bryan there towards the back end of, um, uh, was it 2018? I want to say 2018. Was it 2019? I think it was 2018. Anyway, uh, so certainly, uh, he was involved in all of that. Yeah, it was it was a, a whole thing. Uh, but and then obviously he's gone to AEW and has had uh, you know a really strong start as the exalted the exalted one as part of the leader of the Dark Order and showing his you know compassion is a character in various uh, skits and bits and pieces on BTE. And it just it's just a real shame. Like I, uh, there's nothing I can say that will be. Yeah, add anything really to the things that have been said across the uh, the last uh, little while because to be honest like he's just a, was a phenomenal talent but more importantly than that obviously yeah he, he passed away very suddenly and it's just you feel for his family I mean it's just it's just devastating and you know you hear all these phenomenal stories about him as a person and I think sometimes with wrestlers we forget because they're these larger than life characters we forget that they're people and it's, you know, I know that sounds horrible, but it's something that's very easy to do. You forget that they, you know, that these are human beings and it's, it's crap. And as a father myself, you know, the idea of leaving behind, you know, two kids is, is horrendous. Uh, I just feel so sorry for, and I, I'm so glad that AEW are looking after the family and really, you know, really genuinely they seem to really have have in mind you know and, and wwe to be fair like you know obviously they didn't have to do anything for a former employee they put the graphic up on on all their shows for the week there were like plenty of nods to luke harper throughout the uh throughout the uh the broadcast that week you know i know there were people who were critical they didn't do a 10 bell salute but when was the last time they did a 10 bell salute for somebody who didn't work for their company they you know they put tribute videos out on YouTube and, on, and there's going to be a collection on the network. I, I, you know, I think I don't think you can fault them for also allowing AEW as the company he currently works for, where you know or currently d did work for at the time of his passing, 
you know, allowing them the opportunity to kind of take the lead with his, uh, you know, celebrating his life. And you can't really fault them for that, I don't think. You fault WWE for a lot of things, but I don't think this is one example where that's a great idea as a uh, using a stick to beat them with. But yeah, it's just a very, very sad thing. And um, I think one nice thing to come out of this is that you see so many great stories from performers from all over the world, you know. Um, and hopefully, you know, a lot of people essentially scrapping this idea for at least a little while of, you know, company versus company or whatever. Sometimes it's just about, let's just all enjoy wrestling because it's, it's pretty good, isn't it, when it's good? Sometimes it's a scummy, sleazy business, but when it's good, it's really good. So, you know, let's let's just try to enjoy it for what it is sometimes. Hello, world. My name is Simon Miller, and you are listening to the WrestleQ podcast. Right. In cheerier news, we had Wrestle Kingdom, uh, New Japan's uh, big show of the year over two nights this week. Uh, so on uh, Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and the New Year's Dash on Wednesday, which was largely uneventful, uh, aside from a couple of bits and pieces. Um, you know, there was no massive angle, but you know, some some, some sort of scene setting stuff for for what's coming up in the next few months. Uh, let's see. Uh, so I would say from both shows, uh, you know, it's difficult because uh, although New Japan are doing absolutely the right thing, it's very difficult to watch a show in front of. An audience that aren't allowed to make any noise with their mouths, uh, they're not allowed to cheer or to chant or to you know to boo. It's it's very difficult. I thought they did a really good job with the clapping and using the thunder sticks and stamping their feet, and you know, still managed to get an atmosphere. In there. It was just a bit of a weird vibe for a Tokyo Dome show, but hey, it is what it is. COVID, you know, this is a brave new world, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, so that was a thing. Um, there were some great matches over the two nights, I must say. Um, Will Ospreay versus Kazuchika Okada was one of the standouts for me. Um, really, really brilliant performance for both men. I uh, Osprey's problematic for a number of reasons, and like, look, there, there's been plenty written on it that is going to be much more informative than anything you're going to hear from me. Yeah, I, I feel like some of that stuff has sullied, rightly or wrongly, his work for me, and I find it difficult to watch his matches in the same way. But I also understand that uh, he is going to be part of the New Japan product moving forward and that there is a certain element of just, you know, I, as much as it's, it is what it is, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not great. So we're not going to spend much time on focusing on him. Uh, but I will say, Kazuchika Okada, like, good lord. Like, the man's a, a god. Like, he can he, his matches with everyone are phenomenal. But also... Like every year, Wrestle Kingdom comes around, and every year he brings it with the uh, the ring attire. You know, like really brings the like his matches always feel like they've got a big match feel, like just because he's decided to wear some new some new togs. You know, like um, you, you, yeah, he always he's just always a star. You know, and he's only thirty two. Good lord, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, so yeah, I can't remember which matches were on which night, so you're gonna have to forgive me a little bit. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus the Great Okan was fine, if not particularly memorable. Uh, the King of Pro Wrestling stuff with Toriano and the Rumba, or the Rambo as they were calling it, or the, rather than the Rumble, was fine. Again, uh, nothing memorable, but all very enjoyable. Um, I think 
the most obviously from night one the best thing was obviously uh, Tetsuya Naito versus um, uh, versus uh, Koji Ibushi uh, long time listeners would of course know that I once got in a lift with Koji Ibushi yeah claim uh, <laughs> but um, yeah it's it's a uh, it's really nice to see Ibushi uh, getting the win, and they're telling this lovely arc uh, story, and it was, you know, it was, it was a feel-good thing as well. And him getting the win, and then Switchblade coming out uh, was really, really brilliant. The match itself was phenomenal, and you know, everything you would expect from uh, the crazy world of Naito versus Ibushi. Every time they have a match, good lord, I think someone's going to die. Uh, but it is brilliant brilliant so yeah uh highly recommend checking that out um and obviously that feeds into the second night um and uh oh uh i should say also from the first night uh hiromu versus uh el phantasmo was really enjoyable uh, i've not actually seen that much of phantasmo other than a bit of riptide and a couple of things for rev pro uh and yeah it's really nice to see him uh on, on such a big stage and he really did not waste waste that opportunity he, he's in great and Hiromu obviously just continues to be just ridiculously good how somebody who broke their neck in such a fashion continues to, to wrestle in the way that he does is incredible if not maybe a little bit ill-advised but hey you know i, I it still uh, makes for a hell of a show to watch um yeah so on tonight too obviously yeah Hiromu versus uh Taiji Ishimori uh, was excellent again uh, and completes that lovely arc for uh, Hiromu and Ishimori. Uh, I very much enjoyed that. I thought they, they put on a phenomenal junior match. And yeah, like they're hinting at this idea of uh, the junior heavyweight headlining next year. And I think if anybody can do it, it'll be it'll be Hiromu. He's such a charismatic character and it's just it's phenomenal. Um, then the match of the two nights for me. Uh, it's a close call, actually. The main event is probably the match of the two nights, but we'll get to that in a second. I would say that uh, Shingo Takagi versus Jeff Cobb might be one of my favourite matches and already a pretty a decent contender for match of the year. Those two knocked the fuck out of each other, and I was here at such a pace. Like, they went for, like, it's got to be 20 minutes, but don't quote me on this, I didn't have a stopwatch, but they went for a really good length of time at a ferocious pace and just knocked. It was so physical. And, like, it also told a great story about how one little error, one little error, led to led to Shingo being able to get the win. Because just one, if one moment had been just a fraction different, everything could have been different. Which also sets up a lovely return match there at some point. Uh, but yeah, like I'm really high on Shingo because uh, uh, I may have mentioned this before. I'm not sure uh, myself, and I believe Daniel was with us for this. Not sure. If not, certainly with some mutual friends, we went to see Dragon Gate on their UK tour in 2010. And we watched uh, Shingo there for Dragon Gate. And at the time, you could tell he was something very special. Uh, and it's so good to see him climbing the ranks in New Japan. Uh, more on that, but we'll talk about New Year's Dash in a minute, because that's one of the, the one few really exciting things to come out of New Year's Dash for me. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's, again, just a phenomenal physical match. Good Lord. Um, and then in the main event, I know every, not everybody loved it as much as I did. and That's fine. You know, there's 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 no uh, uh, requirement for that to be the case. 
I thought that Jay White and Kota Ibushi excelled in that main event. They did the longest match in Tokyo Dome history, and I was there for every minute of it. It did not feel like it was 48 minutes. It ran so smoothly, and they... I feel like beforehand, with Naito, with Naito losing the belts to Ibushi on night one, they were teasing this that you might see uh, Jay White get the win and ruin everybody's feel-good moment. I don't think I ever really bought into that before the match, because to be perfectly honest, I just don't feel like it ever felt really likely that they would do that to Ibushi when you're telling this huge redemption story, like, and do what, another year of this? The combination has always had to be him standing tall with the two belts, and as he put it, becoming God. Uh, so, which is interesting as well, because the idea of him becoming God, in air quotes, uh, it's funny because he used to refer to Hiroshi Tanahashi as, as God, again in air quotes, and uh, they're sort of pushing this idea that Tanahashi might not have it anymore, and he might, you know. So I wonder whether you get Tanahashi now winning, going on to win the G1 in the summer, uh, somehow, guiding it out and then uh, facing Ibushi, you know, kind of the... Uh, the student versus the master, or they never really taught him, but you know, they're sort of telling the story of his idol, uh, one last tilt for Tanahashi, and then that's kind of Tanahashi's swan song because he's pretty broken down at this stage, uh, or certainly his last tilt at it. But I don't know, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, they sort of tried to do that with him and Omega a few years ago, but it didn't quite work, uh, partially because Omega was leaving the company, so then they had to put the belt on Tanahashi. Uh, but anyway, moving on, uh, so yeah, the 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 uh, title match though. Jay White, I thought, he's just... He's come on leaps and bounds in the last year or so. He's just such an amazing performer. And I, I just... he There's something about him. Like, he reminds me of peak Bret Hart. And I know that's a big, big call. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But there's something about him. The way that he moves. It's not quite conventional, but it's very methodical. Everything... And everything feels smart. Like, it feels like he's the wrestler's wrestler. He's that guy who's going to outthink everybody else. And every move is considered. And, like, and this is, you know, I know it, I know it's not, you know, it's, 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 these things are, aren't like, you know, it's not a legitimate sporting contest, as it were, right? But I do believe that he makes it feel like these are the sort of things you would do. And it's like, it's little things. Like, he'll drop to his knees rather than doing, going through with a, an Irish whip if he's, he knows he's about to get hit with a, a big move. It's just little things like that. The psychology is just, oh, it's incredible. And it's it's a, such a refreshing take. But he's just, he's so crisp. And, like, it just, it, the way he works, the way he moves, it, it just, it, there's such something about it. I haven't, it, Bret Hart-esque, uh, which anybody who knows me will know is a huge compliment. Um... Yeah, and obviously Ibushi winning was the best thing, and Sonata coming out at the end, having beaten Evil in their, their grudge match earlier in the night, and then, you know, kind of uh, coming out to challenge for the, the title, it's fine, yeah, no problems with that, really don't have an issue with it, it's absolutely fine, um, I'm sure that'll be a very good match, uh, I don't re- I think Sonata, the opportunity to strike for him to be a main event player has come and gone, I think they they didn't pull the trigger, and I think it's too late. But that's fine if that's what they want to do. I he'll still be he's still very very good, and I expect a, you know, some top quality matches out of out of him and Abushi. Uh, but yeah, it was a good way to good way to end night two. Uh, and then on to New Year's Dash. I mean, you had some stuff with the teasers from you know uh, Will Ospreay's new group, the Empire, kind of uh, and a slightly scary situation. Um, 
uh, in there much. Uh, but thankfully, it sounds like everybody's okay, so that's good. Uh, and then, um, really, the most eventful thing coming out of it was was the main event because the previous night, uh, Jay White had said that he, uh, after the match, his post-match comments, he was saying that he was done after New Year's Dash and he was very kind of withdrawn and whatnot. And he had a match as part of a Bullet Club Multiman where he got pinned by Tomohiro Ishii and it was it was very odd. Um, I'm not sure where that story's going to go, but it's certainly interesting and I feel like Jay White is such a good performer that that's, that's great. Um, it's going to go, it's going to be a really intriguing uh, period no matter what happens. Even if he just disappears for a few months, takes a break and comes back. Um, but yeah, uh, so the main event of New Year's Dash uh, between Lij and uh, sort of mixture of Chaos and the other group whose name I always forget, uh, even because they're not really a group. I guess it's just the, the other sort of unaffiliated New Japan people. And to be honest, I really think like uh, Bullet Club and Lij maybe, but like disband Chaos at this point, they don't really stand for anything. It's just a, a sort of vaguely collected group of people. It, it doesn't make any sense. Just just scrap it now. Let's just get rid of the factions. Um, if you want to keep Bullet Club, fine. I can see the, the logic in that. Lij, I can see the logic in that. Uh, Chaos offers nothing at this point. It's just it's it's so disjointed and fractured, and it's just it's nothing. Uh, just scrap it. Anyway, so you uh, essentially uh, the big match uh, aside from Bushi pinning Master Watto and then teasing that they're going to have a feud that no one is going to care about. Uh, the main sort of talking points out of that is that we they've set up essentially uh, Shingo and Hiroshi Tanahashi, which is it sounds incredible. I'm I'm all for that. Uh, and again, especially if it ends with Shingo being put over and this being the start of Shingo being pushed up the card, yeah, I'm, I'm all in for that. He's he's ready and he's so good. So yeah, yeah, yeah let's 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 have that happen. Um, also, uh, I felt like. Uh, they were setting up for again for Sonata and uh, and Ibushi, which makes sense. Uh, Naito is just kind of there, <laughs> so I'm not sure how that's going to what he's doing. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was it was nice, and and uh, I think that's that Tanahashi uh, set up with um, with Shingo is very exciting. The problem is, and I, I guess this might be why there was no huge angle, as there often is, you know, uh, on his dash, you know, there's was, was often stuff with the Bullet Club uh, picking a new leader, or, you know, I thought maybe we'd get something with um, with Jay White. Uh, you know, th- there's this sort of thing on on uh, on his dash that happens quite often. Uh, Suzuki Goon turned up one year, uh, having been off in, in uh, I want to say, in Noah. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes it, until recently it's been quite hard to follow Japanese wrestling in the UK. So you have to you have to pardon that I'm I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not as okay historically as I might be with some of the US and UK stuff. Um, but yeah, so I would say, um, yeah, I would say um, coming off this, there was no big angle. Um, I think part and parcel of that might be because I don't know that New Japan know when they're next going to be running shows because there's a state of emergency in Tokyo currently uh, with COVID and I don't know whether there's going to be more empty arena shows or more just not having shows for a little while or what's going to happen. And I think, I think unfortunately, that is where a lot of people are with wrestling. I mean, wrestling in the UK still hasn't really restarted in any tangible way. It exists in America beyond 
but beyond you know, AEW and WWE with the Thunderdome and AEW's kind of limited crowd, uh, you know, it's very hard to anybody, anybody to run that without a kind of you know making a pretty big loss. And it's wrestling promotions often make pretty big losses anyway. Uh, I think Ring of Honor and NWA are both doing a few bits and pieces, but it's just difficult. You know, it's not quite the same, um, and that's that's a problem. But you know, we'll have to see what 2021 brings with a rollout of a vaccine and everything else. Hopefully, wrestling can start to get back on 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 the same page as everything else. You know, I mean, it's it's not it's not just wrestling. Look at football. You know, look at other sports. There are plenty of sports where there are not. You know, they can't have a crowd or they have a limited number, and it's just yeah. This is things are going to take a little while to get back to anything resembling normal. We'll just have to wait and see what happens, but. Yeah, I think New Japan might be kind of on a sort of pause period for a little while now until things get sorted. But hopefully they'll be back with, you know, because they've set up some pretty mouth-watering uh, feeds going forward, so I'm hoping for that. Uh, right. I think that's probably about it for me. I've just waffled at you for half an hour. Uh, myself and Daniel will be back very soon with uh, some uh, lovely podcast goodness uh, about the... Uh, about uh, featuring matches uh, from uh, Diamond Dallas Page and Brett the Hitman Hart as they face off in the next round of the King of Cube Wrestle Cubedom G1 Cube Max uh, tournament uh, and it will be really good uh, to put that out for you all I'm really looking forward to having a chat about those matches uh, and yeah um, hopefully it will be really interesting for you all to hear uh, in the meantime you can get us on oh, deep breath <laughs> uh, we are at WrestleCube on Twitter we are at WrestleCube on Instagram we are facebook.com slash WrestleCube on Facebook uh, you can uh, listen to our whole back catalogue on Spotify, uh, we are on Google Play, we are I believe we're now on Apple Music but if uh, anybody tries that and can't find us, get in touch and I will have another look and see why that isn't working, it should be uh, obviously you can catch us at soundcloud.com slash WrestleCube uh, and we are on Stitcher uh, we are on Acast this is the podcast wherever you're listening to this if you indeed are anybody is listening to this if I'm not just shouting into the abyss uh, you can uh, you can catch us there um, I would just like to say a big thank you for continuing to listen to this podcast if you could leave us a review rate us uh, I did get a five star rating. That'd be quite nice. Uh, any support, really at all, uh, would be greatly appreciated. We're going to try and be a bit more interactive this year with more stuff on social media. And yeah, I just really hope we can continue uh, with this over the next few months. And yeah, hopefully get you some more content because um, while we are a very relaxed podcast, sometimes uh, and it's entirely my fault, we sometimes end up having a bit of a lag between episodes because life gets in the way. But yeah. I'm going to try and make more of a priority for you guys uh, in the future and hopefully grow this and, you know, who knows what the future holds. But, yeah, uh, again, just thank you. Happy New Year to you all and thank you very much for uh, continuing to follow this podcast. And uh, I will say until next time, so long, folks. Bye.